hello and welcome to our New Year's special episode of The Conversation. What a year it's been and what a year is going to come. Well, that's what Bill and I are going to try and work out, discuss, reflect upon and I suppose most importantly, guess at. I've spoken about Bill. I've spoken about me over the last year. Hopefully by now you know who we are and where we come from. So let's start the conversation, shall we? So, Bill, I'm going to start this conversation with uh, three words. Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you too, Grant. We've been doing this a while, haven't we? Well, it sure feels like it, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. And now we're going to start, I think, perhaps one of the most important years than there's been for a long time. And I think we're going to pick up on a few reasons why I think that. And I think maybe how photography is going to play a really big part in that. But as always, I've written down sort of six lines of scribble. You've done a whole load of serious, proper journalistic research. Um, But I think one of the areas we were going to start off with, perhaps is one of the ways in which a lot of people find out about the podcast, which is social media. And 2023 certainly saw a lot of changes. Well, that's for sure. You know, before we launch into that, I do want to challenge your assumption that I've done journalistic research. <clears throat> don't, <laughs> don't, don't oversell me. I, I've thought for a minute or two when I've, I've sort of racked my brain, but, but I'm light on the research. So m- most may- of this I'm just sort of pulling out of my back pocket. You say that you make me look, uh, well, I, I make you look like Bernstein and uh, Woodward. So social media. Yes, for sure. You know, I, I never much liked Twitter for viewing photos or for a photo community. And it's only gotten worse, in my opinion, much, much, much worse. And I think Elon Musk has figured out a way, much like Donald Trump, to bring out the worst of us. So for the most part, I have pulled back heavily on being uh, on that platform, but I am seeing signs of life on threads. Yeah, me too. Although um, it does seem to have attracted, um, I suppose what you could describe, and I don't mean this in any way um, critically, but a kind of a, a flicker community. So tell me what you mean by that. Well, you know, those kinds of photographers who are really excited and really, um, really positive and really hyper excited about photographs and cameras and Photoshop and show me your pictures and I'll, I'll share them and, and and a huge amount of kind of information being put out by these people. And I hate to say it. A lot of them are American. Um, yeah. You know, that that American uh, positivity meets English um, cynicism. Cynicism. Well, I take full responsibility for all Americans, Grant. You know that. I always Well, I know, you, I know you do, and that, that's very yeah. good of you. I'm, I'm not going to do the same for everybody in the UK. Well, but- here's, here's what's interesting to me about really the, the birth or the sort of toddlerhood of a new um, community or, or a new app, which is – If you play your cards right and make some strategic moves in the beginning, because of the way the algorithms work, you can really start to control your feed in a way you can't do or it's harder to do with a more mature uh, platform. So like from the beginning with threads, I have blocked the trolls 
um, and, and, and the real like hateful people, mostly because I have a personal tendency to respond to them. And once you respond to them, they like triple in, in number and they all come to get you. So by blocking people from the beginning, you, you really do have the opportunity to create your own space. You know, I think that's my mistake, Bill. I do like poking the bear. Yes. Um, the more you poke the bear, the more bears come. And I think that's from whatever the internal, you know, engine is on these things. If you interact with something, they send you more of it. So I no, block I and I move yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you, but I do think that Fred is good. I think it does yeah. feel like Twitter in the early days. Uh, and although I make that comment, I do so with a, a sense of uh, uh, irony and comedy and humor about it. Um, but how do you feel? I've never been a big guy for Instagram. I know you have. How have you found yeah. that Threads has impacted on Instagram? Um, I don't feel like Threads, for the way I use it, um, or, or rather Instagram, for the way I use it, Um has had much of an impact, but there is something that I really do like about threads, which is that you can post a series of photos that have different aspect ratios without having to go through all sorts of kind of pre-fitting of them, you know, which, which you can't do on Instagram, or at least somebody with my lack of technical ability, you know, it takes me a while to do it. So on Threads, you can do a horizontal and a vertical and blah, 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 um, and in a whole series, which is which is great. Um, so to me, that feels very clean and 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 I like it. But but I have not seen, say, a drop off on my Instagram activity, you know, maybe to the contrary, maybe people are going back and forth between the two uh, apps. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the one thing for me about Fred Switch is it doesn't have all the ads that I keep getting on Instagram. Well, so uh, we should talk about ads because I get a lot of notes from people. You know, I am pretty active on Instagram. I do actually like it quite a bit um, for discovery. Um, a lot of people complain about the ads and having worked in, you know, magazines and on websites for a long time, I just say, you know what, this is what pays for this thing. You're not paying a subscription. Just get used to the ads, scroll, scroll past them if you want, but like, don't complain about, it. I mean, these, these can't be completely free and self-sustaining. Um, that's, that's how media works. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that, but the, I think that what we're talking about is ad ratio. You know, a, a good uh -huh. magazine has a has has a ratio between right. editorial and advertising content, which doesn't feel as if you're you're being swamped. Whereas a bad magazine makes you feel like you're being swamped. That's true. I mean, for me, the thing that I feel swamped by are uh, reels or videos, um, and I, I would rather you know mostly look at still photos. But I get served up so many videos, and I know that's kind of a response to, to Instagram's response to TikTok. But for someone like me, who's a who's a photo guy, I, I'd rather I'd rather stick to the pictures. So so I I I hope that in 2024, if Instagram is listening, they will maybe allow people to dial back on an individual level the a number of videos and reels coming at them yeah or alternatively perhaps the coming year is the year of threads being the place for photography 
and the year of Instagram moving away from photography toward TikTok? Uh, could be, could be. I mean, it would mean, you know, kind of kissing goodbye to its photo roots, but um, these things change. Well, talking about saying goodbye, um, it's RIP NFT. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's a great line. Before we go to um, RIP and NFT, can I say one more thing about, about photo platforms um, yeah. and Instagram? There are a couple of um, new photo apps in development, which I think come in response to people's frustration with Instagram. One is called Photo, F-O-T-O, which is really for photographers. And it looks super promising to me. It's in beta. It's closed right now. I'm using it. They're opening up for more beta testers in... Um, in January, they've got a podcast. So I'm I'm optimistic that that photo could be a place for less social, more photo people. And then there's also one called Laps, which I don't know if you've heard of. It's a it's a newish photo app that's up and running and available for for sharing. It's more social and more gimmicky than I think for most real photographers, but it's still out there. And I think it is a comment. Um sort of what you're saying about, you know, maybe Instagram is fading for um, for the use of photos. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I am aware of uh, photo. I'm not aware of laps, but I'm at, to be honest with you, I've kind of had enough of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, enough already for me. Um, and so I'm just going to stick with threads. Um, I've said goodbye pretty much to uh, X or Twitter. Um but uh, but the NFT, I, I I don't want to keep harking on about it, but I do feel that it's important that we mark its death. Uh, yes, I am ready to I am ready to mourn uh, or not mourn um, NFTs. You know, I don't, I don't have any actual numbers or research to cite, so I'll just basically talk from the gut. Um, and I'll say this: like the the volume of hypey posts and get rich quick by selling your photos as NFTs has fallen off an absolute cliff. It feels like no one is talking to me. No one's talking about NFTs anywhere near with the enthusiasm they were a year or two ago. I I love the potential of the blockchain, but I never understood NFTs uh, for real photography collectors. Um, like you sort of own it, but you don't. I don't know. I just, it, it kind of uh, went by me. And I think it maybe it has gone by a lot of people. Well, you know, we did we did our best. We looked into it. We considered it. We did a little bit of research. We made our opinions that it was a load of snake oil. And I yep. think we were proved to be right. Yep. It's good to be right once in a while. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. And okay. And we're going to move. We're moving swiftly on, as they say, and almost as a segue of intent, two letters, not NFT, which obviously was three letters, two letters, AI. Yes. Now, for our listeners, I want to bring us back to whenever we talked about AI originally, which was maybe, I don't know, four months ago, maybe maybe more. I can't remember. Um, But you and I came to it from very different perspectives. I came at it from sort of the old man, um, change is bad, you kids get off my lawn, stop bothering my photos perspective. And and, and this is going to end up, you know, meaning a loss of jobs for photographers and a loss of the sense that we can trust what's in a photo um, and, and the sort of, uh, end of end of truth 
um, not not to get too dramatic. Um, you had a slightly different perspective, which I'll which I'll let you recap. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, more positive, more optimistic about it. Um, I see AI in the bigger picture as being hugely impactful on our world. You know, sort of the 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 result or the end result of the digital revolution, similar to the industrial revolution in its uh, ability to change our lives. But for photographers, I just saw it as it might be another tool. It will affect certain areas of photography, particularly stock photography, but it does not mean the death of photography. And it really does not um, mean the death of the photographer. Um, I and, and I don't think it means the death but I think it could mean a serious flesh wound. Um, and even more for, than the photographer, him or herself, I think it has an impact and will have an impact if not properly categorized and, and um, sort of named, it will have an impact on people who look at photography and people who use photography to make decisions or to sort of calibrate emotions when they see various uh, news photos, you know, I, I think the word, the phrase AI photography is, pro, is, is, you know, if we're going to use the word photography, we have to be careful with AI photography. I would rather be calling it AI art or AI images, because I do think that we need to separate these two modes of expression. Like I'm not against AI images if they're so labeled and if it's clear what's going on. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm in a, a rather fortunate position to come to this conversation, Bill, having spoken to somebody else that you haven't heard yet, uh, that was last week's podcast, because I'm going to let the listeners into a secret where we are recording this a little bit before Christmas. Um, and what came out of that conversation, which uh, you can listen to and the listeners can listen, will have listened to in the previous week, is that... Um, the way in which this AI image making um, is going to move forward and has been created, created, I should say, really isn't too much of a concern. But perhaps what we should be calling it is AI collage or AI montage. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I have pulled a few data points or 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 moments um that that maybe have happened over the last 6 months that I'd like to share just because I think they all have a, a little bit of an indication on on a about AI photography um that okay with you yeah yeah absolutely so so there's um an instagram account from um, a, a quote unquote woman named Aitana Lopez. She is a quote unquote model who has now nearly a quarter million followers on Instagram. Her feed is populated with all these sexy pictures and she replies to comments. She refers to herself as a digital creator and an influencer. She is a construct of AI. That is, she does not exist as a human although she looks human in these photos, of course, she has more than 60 photo posts of herself and no one took those photos. So, you know, if, if that's going to be the case, um, I do see photography, you know, I do see that as an indication of photographers, some photographers losing some work. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 
you know, how many photographers are we really talking about losing there? You know, um, I don't a, know if every it's brand, like Mona, but it's a bit like the Mona Lisa having an Instagram account, isn't it? And and the kind of all these pictures of Mona Lisa, you know, Leonardo created the Mona Lisa and somebody created these images of this some um, woman. My feeling is if every brand or many brands start creating their own uh, AI influencers or scenes or photographs or whatever, and and it does catch on, then I do think um, photographers uh, stand to lose. Well, there's a very interesting situation with that as far as brands are concerned. And as I said, I'm, I'm, I feel terrible even bringing this up to you, Bill, because as I say, it's all discussed in the, the previous week's podcast. But suffice to say that if a brand uses an AI image, there is a big problem around that as far as copyright. Not only the fact of, you know, we can talk about photographers' work being used uh, and as it's being scraped. Well, you're never going to know if your work's going to be used. You're not going to be able to tell. So that's one thing. So we don't need to worry too much about the copyright of the original image being scraped. That's already been done anyway. The bigger problem then is that the who does the copyright belong to? Because if a brand uses that image, they don't actually own the copyright, which means that anybody else can take it and reuse it also. So if you're a brand, you really don't want to be giving away the copyright to your images that are being used connected with your brand. Um, unless, of course, you're somebody who would have previously used um, royalty-free images and you don't care if other companies use your images. So I think there's a much, much bigger issue around that um, than so just, just And maybe you guys got into this or maybe you didn't, but what if you have one of those sort of copyright-free images, but you do something to it, um, you you draw a line on it or you add something to it that does make it a creation um, of a single person or a single brand, then do you own it? Well, that again, um, having spoken with the, the copyright expert, um, no, you don't. Okay, that's super interesting. Yeah, no, you don't. That's very interesting. Because um, also, there's a, sorry, just to add to that, but the, the, the issue there and the point I raised um, was about um, Sgt. Pepper's uh, Lonely Hearts Club Band album cover. Right. Okay. Now, created by the artist Peter Blake, mm -hmm. with images from a whole load created by a whole load of different people that you then put the Beatles in front of, that you then get a photographer to photograph, uh -huh. then give to EMI as the brand. So where does the copyright sit with all of that? And the, uh, my example of that is perhaps this is exactly where we are with AI, and which is why none of this is new. Except, isn't it the photo... Well, I mean, you spoke with the expert. I'm not the expert. But the photographer who took the image of everything altogether, doesn't he or she have the copyright of that image, not necessarily of the pieces of the image, but of the final image? Well, this is, the, but this is the point. So it's always credited to the artist, Peter Blake. The photographer right. was Michael Cooper. Now he well, was no. given a flat fee to take the photograph, but of course- So no by, by contract, I mean, he, he didn't have the copyright by contract. 
No, but then Peter Blake didn't have the copyright over the images he used to create his artwork. But that's com- but that's considered commentary, right? No, it's that would surely that would be creating art, an artwork. Well, right, but you're you're using artwork to create a new piece, which in a way can be considered commentary on the previous artwork. But then that's AI. Well, is it or, or or not really? Because if you're not even actually come, you're not commenting on the previous artwork because it's essentially unseen. No, we could go on for a long time on this one. I think we might have to dedicate an episode. Yeah. Okay. We'll take a knee. On I this think one. it's really interesting, and actually, for listeners. Um, I'm sure you're really interested in the fact that Bill's actually challenging some of the things that we spoke about last week. Yeah, well, and I haven't even listened to it. I can't wait to listen to it and, and write just a stern letter to the editor, whoever that is. Um, <laughs> I don't so, know who's so, got copyright. <laughs> um, speaking of letters to the editor, I want to talk for a minute about Sports Illustrated. Uh-huh. Um which is once, you know, a great must-read magazine known for excellent writing and incredible photographs by the likes of Neil Leifer and Walter Yost and Heinz Kludemeyer, among many others. After being bought and sold a couple times, it's now in this terribly sad state. It's sort of a schlocky site, website only. And it was recently busted for posting stories written with AI under bylines that were fake and using photos of these fake quote unquote writers. And those photos were themselves AI generated. So here's a case of AI photos used to make something seem believable, not only the story, but the writer and the authenticity of the writer. And in fact, it's total horse crap. Wow. I never, I have, I've not seen this. Uh, well, I can send you a note and we can, we can post it in the show notes, but it was here in the States where Sports Illustrated, you know, kind of ran in the same company as as Time, Life, and Fortune, um, you know, and People Magazine, um, all started by Henry Luce. It was a big deal, and it got a ton of press. Wow. You know, I think this points at something that we should discuss in the new year, and I think 2024 is going to uh, be a year where we're going to see some major magazine titles fold or, or just disappear into websites or, you know, whatever it may be, um, because obviously National Geographic now no longer exists as a printed magazine. Uh, that's right. I mean, I guess they're going to do special issues, but you can't buy it on the newsstand. Yeah, and you and I both know that those special issues uh, very rarely actually happen. Yes. Um, So I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I think actually it's it's a terribly sad metaphor that you're describing there for for the death of uh, magazine publishing and um, editorial photography. Yeah, I think that's a great episode for us to do. So we'll Um, pick up on that, I think, later in the year. But it could be a year where a lot of those names that we grew up with disappear. I think that's uh, likely. Let let me hit um, three more real quick points on AI. um, And we don't even have to discuss them if you don't want to. Um, You know, as many listeners, especially stateside may know, the Screen Actors Guild, which is all of the film and TV actors in Hollywood, went on strike in July and the strike lasted for, you know, three, four months. Um, One of the chief points of contention was the use of AI to replicate the image of the actors and use those images and likenesses in perpetuity without the consent of the actor. So in other words, if you do, if you act in a film 
for Studio X, and then they, um, you know, quote unquote, take you know, take or steal or capture your image, they could theoretically sell that to another company, or if another company buys that, and you know, your image could end up on a schlocky horror movie or porn site. Um, so it's it's quite. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's in, it's interesting. I mean, we, obviously, we were aware of that in the UK, and I think people will be aware of that worldwide because there's going to be a real shortage of films over the next year or so. Yeah. And whilst they weren't made, and you know, the writers and everybody else who supported that strike, um, but they did come to a conclusion, didn't they? Um, they did, and I think my understanding is that it's kind of a tentative, like wait and see thing. Um, it, but I, I, my, my sense is that a lot of the actors were not thrilled with the ultimate deal. I'm sure, but that's certainly one to keep an eye on, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I also want to say, with respect to AI, in the photo world, the new Leica M11P comes with a sort of um, certified authentic certified authentication in the metadata that proves that its pictures are authentic and not AI generated. And my understanding is it's the first camera to do this. I'm glad they're doing it. At the same time, it makes me sad that we need to do this. But I thought that was a, a pretty cool breakthrough uh, from Leica. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? But I, I, it made me think when I saw that, and I thought, well, surely existing metadata in files does something similar, unless you're going to go into every file and create fake metadata as well as everything else. Yeah, I guess there's a certificate. You know, it, this is a, um, above my pay grade. So, yeah, um, it's another interesting thing to look out for. Yeah, and and the last thing I want to say on on the AI front um, in, about the photo world is that you know I'm sure you know this. Do dozens of award winning photographers took the World Press Photo Foundation to task for announcing that it would allow generative AI images into their open format category for their kind of photos of the year. Um, and all these amazing photographers, renowned photographers, you know, Nina Berman and Ash Gilbertson, David Ver, uh, Burnett, Michael Robinson Chavez, who we've had on the show, Adam Ferguson, um, they, they all chimed in in this open letter denouncing this. And um, if it's okay with you, I, I, I'd like to quote from a follow-up letter. Um, that We that, actually did, Bill. Oh, we! I, I, it, it, you're proving what a big fan of the podcast you are, because I actually covered this story and read for, from the letter. Oh, that's fantastic! So let's let's not do that now. Um, but but the bottom line is, in response to the feedback, uh, the WPP changed its mind on including AI photography. Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, we we covered it a, um, about a month or so ago, about a few weeks ago, anyway. Um, and I spoke about that and the fact that they did um, go back on their their uh, kind of plan. Yeah. What's interesting, you picking it up again, though, is that um, it does show what a, a very important uh, voice photographers can have um, when they speak out and they stick together. Absolutely. That's a perfect lesson to draw from this. Yeah, I think so. But thank you for sharing that again. It just it proves that you listen to every episode, which of course I know you do, but also that we're on the same page. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that raises something else which I think is really interesting, which um 
is perhaps a, a, a little bit of a uh, thorny, difficult area to, to tread, but I think we need to raise it. 2024 is definitely going to be the year of the um, the election in the US, in the UK, uh, across Europe, and I'm sure there are other elections across the world, um, which are going to be hugely important. And alongside that, 2023 was certainly a year of um, conflict in Ukraine, in Israel, in Gaza, and so forth. And it made me feel the the power of the image. Here we are all these years after the development of the photographic image, but the photographic image still has so much power to shock, to inform, uh, to manipulate. And um, I wondered where you are with, with all of that. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, I'm I'm thinking about the American election, presidential election. I'm worried about it. I see the photographs that Trump supporters are, are sharing of Joe Biden, you know, um, with his eyes closed, uh, implying that he's asleep at the wheel. You know, maybe he's blinking. Um, right. And yeah. It's um, it's it's quite it's quite disheartening to see how uh, on the one hand, you know, how these photos are being used. But on the other, you know, it does speak to the power, the continuing power of photography, for sure. And I think also it raises so many um, delicate and difficult issues for the photographer who may be non-political, but be perceived as being political. Tell me, tell me what you mean. Well, for example, um, I have a student at the moment who's documenting the uh, Palestinian uh, riots in London, as well mm -hmm. as the demonstrations in London, uh, everything that's been going on around that. And um, I think it would be very easy for her to be perceived by some people where everything now is so tribal um, as being pro-Palestinian, um, for me, it doesn't matter if she is or if she isn't. She's just documenting what she sees uh, very well. But it can, you know, when everything is so tender, it can be very difficult. Well, what I've noticed um, looking at, at Instagram, when a photographer, a news photographer from, say, like uh, a Getty or a Reuters, when they post, you know, five or six pictures from uh, a rally or protest that they've gone to, and it could be on either side. Let's just for the moment say, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a pro-Palestinian rally. Then you'll see lots of comments. How come there are no pictures of the pro-Israel rally? And it's like, well, because the photographer was in one place at one time and the coverage will even out, but maybe tomorrow. So, you know, not everything needs to be both sides in every moment. Well, no, exactly. But it's up to the viewer, isn't it, to be slightly more informed and a little bit less um, willing to jump on the, the photographer's back. Well, you're asking a lot of viewers there, Grant. I am. I am. But I think as we move in through this year, um, we are going to be looking at photographs um, to reveal what is going on in a way in which we've never done before, because those photographs are coming to us so quickly and into our phones. They're coming so quickly and often without mediation. 
um, or without enough mediation. And I think with everyone's, and I'm talking about newspapers here, rush to keep up with the instantaneous news cycle of a, of a Twitter or threads or Instagram, you know, I think we're seeing some newspapers, and I'm talking to new, to you, New York Times, um, of going too fast without thinking hard enough um, and making and, and mediating and making conscious decisions. You know, we've seen that we saw that with the New York Times headline um, at the start of the war, which they ended up retracting. Mm. And I, I, want, I wonder, what is our hope for uh, 2024 when it comes to covering these conflicts? Because I'm sure there will be another one, just as Israel and Gaza came and sort of stole the news coverage from Ukraine. Ukraine is still going on. The situation is still occurring. And I'm sure there'll be more. So what's our hope for photographers in the way in which their work is represented going forward? Oh boy, um, that is a very tough question. I mean, from the from the perspective of the viewer, I would hope that we would have photographs that hit the airwaves, that hit the apps after a, a, about conflict um, with after having taken a breath and a thought. Um, I would hope also that all the engagement and and protest galvanization that we've seen around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I sure hope we see that kind of attention given to other conflicts around the globe. As you said, there are so many, and it's amazing to me that people are able to gather and galvanize for this, but you know, for the massacre in Syria a, a, a couple of years ago, it, it, it kind of fell on deaf ears in this yeah. conflict. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think globally, I think it would be very interesting as we do progress through 2024, perhaps to um, for you and I to have a conversation as to how the elections and how um, politicians are using photography as we um, we get closer to the um, the actual dates. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is I'm I'm seeing, and they've been around for a long time, and they're not being presented as photos; they're more memes of of you know, President Trump, who is an old, um, obese, uh, out of shape man, but they're showing him as a, you know, they, they've in the in the photographs, they've they've trimmed 100 pounds off him, given him giant, um, you know, biceps and put him in like a Superman cape. Um, so so there's this sense of trying to portray people visually um in a way that they want to believe which does not exist <laughs> well yeah funny enough he did do that series of nfts didn't he yes he exactly as as a a series of um superheroes um, that's right but perhaps we'll be commenting on him um being photographed in an orange suit in in a prison cell somewhere near you with any luck as long as we're talking about the the power of photography in this in this context I, I was, and this is on a slightly different topic, but but I have been reminded recently of the supreme power of photography. You know, even as we're inundated with hundreds or thousands of images a day, for me, the power of photography um, has not numbed. And it was demonstrated again and recently in a kind of an unexpected way. Um, you know, one of the key ways that people have been protesting Israel's response to the attack by Hamas 
was to tear down posters featuring photographs of kidnapped Israeli children that had been placed on on light poles and bulletin boards and 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 whatnot. Um, and the fact that people thought photographs were the best way to communicate the message about kidnapping and loss, and then on the other side, that people felt the most effective way to protest was to rip down a photo. I found that really interesting, you know, again, in some ways you would think with so many photos flooding over us, we'd become numb to them, but clearly not the case. You know, you remind me there of, of we've lost so many great photographers in the last year. And, yeah. and I've lost a number of friends as well who are photographers and people who have contributed to the podcast. And one of them was uh, John Saveni, who um, was based yeah. down in Mexico City. And in his contribution to the podcast when he was describing what photography meant to him he said that photography should be dangerous and that it had a power and that he would find that when he was working with the mexican cartels that mm. they saw the photograph as, as having incredible significance and um perhaps that's that's still where we are so however however much we worry or concern about AI and manipulation and what have you. At the end of the day, uh, a family snapshot of a child or a person who has been um, taken, uh, hijacked, um, being held hostage, the power of that image goes above everything else. Yeah. And in some cases, I think the more simple the image, the more homemade and authentic the image, the, the more powerful. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to something else. Um, there's something, I suppose, which has been at the basis of all photography at practice over the last few years. The idea of a gallery exhibition, an exhibition in a different kind of environment, maybe a museum, the photo festival, the photo book. These have all over the last, I don't know, I suppose, maybe 10 years um, since the digital revolution, all of these have sort of become go-tos for photographers, kind of uh, signposts as to what defines a photographic practice. But I've been thinking a lot recently about the economic situation, the economic situation with photographers, as I was saying, with editorial photography really drying up. Um, that was always a place where a lot of photographers could get money to fund personal projects and so forth. And I just wonder, as we come into a new year, is it a time to do things differently? I think it is absolutely a time to rethink some of this stuff. And, and honestly, I think some of the heat from photographers around NFTs was because they saw, in my opinion, mistakenly, but regardless, they saw a different path. They saw... I don't have to sell my photos through a gallery. I don't have to, you know, pay a bunch of money to have my photos be in a book. Um, uh, you know, go through uh, all sorts of hoops and and whatnot. And I can and I can sell directly to people uh, through the through the NFT market. And forgetting the the uh, about NFTs themselves uh, themselves, I think that is an expression of we need something new. And so I couldn't agree with you more. And I do believe, and I do hope that in the new year, photographers will think creatively about different ways to, as you said, define their practice, feel accomplished, and get the word out about their work. 
Yeah, you know, I agree with you about that NFT thing. I think that there was a sense of des- desperation yes. about that. Um, panic and fear, which which kind of blinded a lot of people to, to the very obvious issues that surrounded it. I think that's right. Um, and I hope people will start to channel that desperation and fear into thinking creatively about a different way, a different medium, maybe a different cycle um, or metabolism to, to, to get their photos, um, you know, out there and seen. And again, not necessarily digitally, but um, um, to get themselves exposed. Yeah. So we're thinking new year, new ways of doing things. Are you optimistic? Uh, I'm never optimistic, um, Grant. That's part of my personality. I think that's why it works well with the two of us. I, I'm, yeah. I always describe myself as a realistic optimist. Yeah, I guess I would um, describe myself as a realistic pessimist. So, so I have a couple more small things that um, I would love to mention if if we can do that quickly. Yeah, sure. So the, so the first one is I, I'd like to draw attention and, and give a shout out to uh, Patrick Witte's Substack. Um, Patrick has had an amazing career as a photo editor with stints as director of photography at Wired. Uh, he's been at National Geographic. He was the international picture editor at Time Magazine and at the New York Times as well. And he took one of the most amazing photos of 9-11 in New York City. But Patrick's uh, Substack newsletter, I just love. It's called Field of View. He talks about pictures in a historic and photographic context. He does a careful reading of images and situations. And, you know, while while there's a lot of photo Substacks out there and a lot of her sort of, you know, blah, blah, rehash community, show me your pictures of sunsets. Patrick is a trained journalist, a queer writer. He does the research and I always learn something new from him. So that's my photo substack of the year. Well, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but actually uh, I did read um, one of Patrick's substack uh, little articles on a, a previous podcast, previous episode. I do follow him on Fred's and he does um, kind of comment and we kind of communicate in that sense. So, so I'm very keen to have Patrick on the podcast later this year. Great. So a really good call, Bill, really good call. Um, And something Patrick wrote about, which I'm going to sort of take in a different way, um, but I thought it was a really interesting moment that happened only a couple of weeks ago. And again, concerning the um, Israel-Hamas war. Um, And there was um, an accusation that that photographers who seem to be embedded with Hamas as they entered Israel and massacred civilians and took hostages. And, you know, one photo shows the moment that Hamas terrorists using a bulldozer broke through the border fence. So obviously there's a long and proud history of photographers embedding with both the military units and rebels. Um, You know, uh, everybody from, from Noctway, I mean, you can go on and on and on. Um, But I think what's different about this moment is that this was a surprise attack on civilians. It was not a sort of regular military back and forth. And the fact that the photographer seemed to either react extraordinarily quickly or seemed to be, I don't know if the word embedded is right, 
but have some forethought about this or foreknowledge of it, um, I thought was, you know, kind of a, 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 a I've, I've a bit of a moral problem with that, you know, like, like many people had a moral problem with um, that photo that, that Kevin Carter took all those years ago of the vulture sort of getting ready to attack the starving child um, in, in Africa somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the bang bang club. Oh, it's interesting, Bill, you pick up on that because that was the very article that I spoke oh. about on the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I also want to say Grant that I have a, a major problem a moral problem with Israel's former ambassador to the UN saying that Israel will hunt down the photographers along with the ther- uh, terrorists. Um, you know, I think that is reprehensible. Um, yeah. the, the, so, but it, it goes back to that thing that we were talking about earlier, doesn't it? Around the power of the image. Exactly. You exactly. know, it does connect, but it's it's really interesting. You you and I don't meet up until we have this conversation. We don't do any planning for the conversation. And yet um, there are two things that you've picked up on that I've picked up on also um, for previous podcasts. So it, there's definitely themes out there yeah. in the photographic community that um, our listeners hopefully are picking up on as well. Well, let me see if you picked up on this one. I, I'm guessing you did. And this is this is my last little note, I think, for um, for 2023. But the Photo Discovery of the Year Award for me, um, or the Photo Researcher of the Year Award for me, goes to um, the Stick Man from the album cover of Led Zeppelin IV. Um, yeah, I did see that. Okay. The, you know, for, I didn't for- mention it on the podcast. Okay, you know, for listeners, the album was released in 1971, and this is the album that featured Stairway to Heaven. It sold like 37 million copies, and every single one of those buyers has stared at the stick man on the cover, and like me, has wondered, like, who the hell is this guy? So um, thanks to Brian Edwards, who's a visiting research fellow uh, with the Regional History Center at the University of the West of England uh, uh, UWE Bristol. Um, yeah, literally just 20 minutes from where I live. Okay. You were so close there, Grant. You yeah. could have found the man yourself. He found the photo. Um, and now we know that the, that the guy, uh, the stick man was a, was a Thatcher named lot long, sometimes known as long year, who was born in the town of Mere or mare Wiltshire in 1823, that he was a widower living in a small cottage, when the photo was taken and that he died in um, 1893. Do you know what? That was worth hearing that story just to hear you say Wiltshire or however you said it. <laughs> because Did I get a, it wrong? Yeah, no, it's just a, a fantastic way. We would say Wiltshire. <laughs> but I love that American Shire kind well, of. Well, you know, I get the Shire from the from all those uh, Hulk, uh, Tolkien Hobbit movies. Let's go to the Shire. Uh, yeah. Well, the, yeah, the English language is a strange thing. Um, that was lovely, Bill. It's a, a lovely uh, little positive story to to finish up with. Although I have to say, there are two bands in the world that I've tried to listen to and can never listen to, and I don't get it at all. One of them is The Grateful Dead, and the other is, is Led Zeppelin. Okay, you and I are going to have to have an episode in the new year about the Grateful Dead because we, um, we really don't, Bill. We really yeah. 
We do. Let's schedule that for February. Thanks so much, Grant. Have a good day. No, thank you very much. Uh, they ruined Dylan. Uh, I, ca I cannot even go there. Anyway, he likes them, so, that, so I suppose they're okay. Listen, Bill, as always, um, packed with information, packed with stuff. Thank you so much uh, for 2023 and everything you've brought to the podcast. Thank you for today, obviously. And um, really look forward to continuing this conversation with you. I know our listeners are too. If you, there's anything you'd like to pick up on and what we've been talking about today, as always, keep sending us uh, your thoughts and your feedback. We're getting lots of it now since we started to ask for it. And that's wonderful. Uh, a lot of it is really, in fact, all of it is really positive. It would be great to hear from, from some people who don't agree with us. And then uh, we can have a really good debate around that as well. Um, and you can do that by uh, contacting Bill directly through his Instagram, which is... At Bill Shapiro. Beautifully added there. And uh, or you can get hold of me direct through the unitednationsphotography.com website. Just go through the contact and an email comes straight to me. Or you can get hold of us on all of the different social media platforms that we are on. Um, Bill, thank you so much. I really wish you a happy and successful year ahead. Um, same to you, Grant. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity to to speak with you every month. And and um, I always learn so much. And I and I love uh, the 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 back and forth. That's great. The feeling is mutual. Take care. Bye bye. Just leaves me to say very happy new year to all of you listening to this podcast. Thank you very much for your support in listening and all of your feedback over the last year. Let's really make 2024 as good as it can be, shall we? And of course, what we're all going to do is we're going to take care. <laughs>